0: I was really impressed uh, by our athletes at the Commonwealth Games this time round, who gained, not just because they gained a lot of medals, but that was a a good thing uh, too. And it's a bit like uh, when the All Blacks finally get that win, you know, our spirits go up a bit again. Uh, But I think I was most impressed by hearing some of the stories uh, in behind some of those athletes and their stories of perseverance through the tough stuff uh, when things didn't always go so well for them, some of the the backstories uh that often uh ranged over a number of years. And uh one um young man who I was particularly impressed with was uh Jack O'Gill, uh who's the shot putter. And uh he 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 sort of got there very early. He was a junior world champ uh at the age of 15. But then um, Over the next few years, he ended up not being able to take part in the 2018 uh, Commonwealth Games because he um, developed a heart condition that he was dealing with and having some treatment for. Um, But he didn't give up or throw in the towel at that point and he. Came on through and then, now age 27, so 12 years on from those original heights, it's sort of like he worked his way up again uh, and won a silver medal this time round. Uh, next to his fellow Kiwi, Tom Walsh, who won gold and uh, also acknowledged that he'd had some mental health challenges uh, that he'd faced on his journey as well. And wasn't it great to see them um, standing together, those two uh, proud Kiwis supporting each other? But also, I think, to see the support of his family. There was his mum. There's always a few tears, aren't there? Uh, But to know also, to think of those medics who'd been part of his journey uh, on the way for Jacko. And, of course, the fellow teammates and the wonderful way that the the rest of the Kiwi team get together and uh, do a haka for them and uh, just wonderful affirmation that, um, and as I think these athletes would be the first to say, it's a real team effort. We are all uh, in this together. And it was just so wonderful to see. Our first uh, Bible reading today from the letter to the Hebrews uh, calls us to run with perseverance, the race that is set before us, And, of course, that image is taken straight from the ancient uh, Olympic Games and Corinthic Games. There were quite a few of those uh, early games at that time, the forerunner of our own Olympic and Commonwealth Games. And I remember uh, going to see the Olympic uh, Stadium in Athens, the original one, um, and just to think about uh, that. And and this image came to my mind of running the race. I must admit it was a very hot day when we were there, so we were more sort of um, gently... um, staggering along the track, there wasn't too much running. But we have that picture of a stadium, whether it's an ancient stadium or a modern one as we have today, and we are to run our race. And as we do that, what a wonderful picture that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in the stands. And it's all those who are cheering us on, whether it's our family, whether it's our classmates and teammates, whether it's our teachers and coaches, whether it's those who've been mentors for us through our lives. And I like to think of some of those people today in my own life who are perhaps no longer with us, but they're part of that great communion of saints uh, with whom we worship. And they're watching on and cheering us on. What an encouragement that can be. So and uh, we heard some of the names of some of them, uh, from our first reading from um, Hebrews, and some of them were named. Some of them we heard their names, and um, I think Jericho popped up in there too, actually. So that was a that was a good choice, and um, we know some of those stories. But there were also quite a few who were just mentioned, unnamed. Uh, that great crowd of heroes of the faith and also martyrs for the faith and some of those stories you aren't rec- uh, recognize but others come from the the chapters in between uh, the old and the new testament when uh, the time of the maccabees when there was a great jewish uprising against the greeks and so some of those stories come from that time Uh, We don't know their names, but we know that they too were part of that race of faith. Uh, The biblical heroes, saints and martyrs, and then the myriads of ordinary people, uh, people like us are known to us, but known to God who have run the race before us and often going through great suffering, uh, as we heard, but yet they kept the faith. And that is what um, they're commended for. It'll be good to hear from Bishop Peter when he's back. I think it's this week, actually. Uh, He returns very shortly with Teresa from attending the Lambeth Conference of Bishops in the UK. And from the comments he's already sent through in eLife and on social media and from other bishops I know who've attended as well, I think there were two things that they found most inspiring Um, about the Lambeth Conference, and they weren't actually the almost interminable discussions about sexuality, which uh, seemed to just um, never uh, be able to get out of the media. And they actually said, we seem to have come to a much better place of acknowledging and accepting each other. But the first thing they all said was wonderful, was that awesome experience of worshipping our God amidst a gathering of about a thousand bishops and spouses from 165 countries around the world, uh, worshiping in a myriad of languages and styles, and um, many wearing their wonderful uh, national costumes, And they had a band, the band that seemed to be a sort of a steel band, it was a South American band that they seemed to have uh, going a lot of the time. And um, it was wonderful to hear them singing in Portuguese and all sorts of languages, Uh, everybody having a go. And encouraging even, um, I noticed in some of the videos, the uh, stiff upper lip lip Brits and probably some Kiwis as well to actually get out there and dance. Uh, And I know there was plenty of dancing at the, the closing service. Our own Te Reo Māori was the language of the opening prayer of the opening Eucharist there at Canterbury Cathedral, which was uh, really wonderful to see. Worship that uh, I know Bishop Peter described as a real foretaste of heaven. So that was one really powerful uh, experience, a real high. But then the other uh, most powerful experience that the bishops were talking about was in the daily meetings after that. Um, of small groups. There would be a a plenary Bible study and then they'd all break up into little groups, um, usually about a dozen of them or so, both of bishops and spouses. Uh, Spouses now of both genders. Um, Now there were 97 bishops who were women who were there too. And those meetings for Bible study together, uh, looking at, you know, they obviously had their questions to look at, but they said so often um, those discussions morphed off into the sharing of personal stories and praying for each other. And that was where um, many Westerners says we were just stunned into silence by the sharing of the stories uh, by so many bishops. They talked about, I think there were about 70 bishops from South Sudan, um, an amazing number who were um, able to come. But they talked Uh, quite freely and you know this takes time and time to open up to one another but about the suffering and persecution they'd experienced. Their experiences of needing to flee for one's life uh, and to become a refugee in another country. Uh, So many from Sudan had ended up in Uganda or Rwanda or other other places Um, Uh, A mama bishop, as the the bishop's wife in Africa tends to be called mama bishop, and saying, um, I just received 30 orphans into my home because this was the only house that was big enough uh, where we were, and we just took in whoever uh, turned up and whoever needed our love and our care. Um, Those who were imprisoned or threatened for speaking up perhaps against corruption or injustice, or for standing up for minorities, or for the marginalized. And for many of those, those were real um, and recent experiences that they shared. So those examples we heard in Hebrews 11 are not that far away from the experience of many Christians around the world today. And also those hard realities of divisions and families And we heard too about some, uh, particularly when someone had come to Christian faith um, uh, from the majority faith of their country, sometimes that meant that they were immediately ostracised by their family and rejected by them. And for some, that meant uh, a huge impact on their family life going forward and indeed sometimes on their safety. And some of them indeed had to leave their country um, and so to hear those stories brings those quite difficult words from our Gospel of Jesus saying, yes, when we come to our Lord Jesus and seek to follow in his footsteps, for some, that is really hard and there are consequences. And Jesus acknowledged um, that that crisis of choice, of making a decision to follow Jesus, no turning back, has real consequences for many. And we acknowledge that around our world, and sometimes, too, in our own families. And uh, I always pray that we can be family to those for whom uh, their family of origin um, struggle with their faith and with their faith commitment. The bishops said often, as we sat in those groups, we'd hear those stories, and we would weep together. And then we would say, what can we do for you? I mean, that's our instant response, isn't it? We want to help. What can we do for you? And the first response was always pray for us. Pray that we may persevere under suffering. Pray that we may keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. It helps us to persevere and to endure, knowing that Christians right around the world are praying for us and that we're not forgotten. So I think that's just a really great reminder of the power um, of our prayer. Let's never take for granted uh, what our prayer can mean for those we're supporting around the world. For so many um, of the Western bishops who were there, their response often when they were writing or reflecting back afterwards was to say, well, that really put my first world problems into perspective. Um, I might have come from my diocese and thought, gosh, I'm dealing with some really tough uh, things. Uh, But actually, when I hear these stories, life and death stories, um, I was really convicted about my own uh, grumpiness sometimes. But of course, that doesn't mean that our particular race and our particular challenges aren't without significance for God. Uh, Notice that we're called to run with perseverance, the race that is set before us, whoever us is. And our race is different uh, for each one of us. That race looks different and we all face our own joys and sorrows, our challenges and our times when we might trip up and fall flat on our faces. We talk about our life as a race, But one thing to remember is it's not just a quick 100-metre, 10-second sprint. It is more like that marathon, isn't it? And sometimes it feels like it. And we need those support groups, um, those support crews around us uh, throwing us the water bottle or uh, just cheering us on from the sideline when the going gets tough. It's a race that takes a lifetime. We know sometimes it's a breeze, sometimes it's a walk in the park uh, on a day when it's sunny and uh, all things good. But other times it is like that cross country in the middle of the winter, isn't it? Uh, When we're plowing through the mud or biking through the rain to school or to work or whatever, or being out there on the playing field when it's more mud than grass. And it is tough, isn't it, to keep going. But I love the way these verses remind us of three things. Three things just to help us persevere and to hang on to. First of all is to lay aside stuff that's going to trip us up. Anything that's going to weigh us down. That calling to travel light. Don't let yourself get tangled up in things that will get in the way of your running a good, clean race. Lay aside those things that will weigh us down. It's always a challenge, isn't it, to think and to pray, perhaps um, a chance to pray before God. What are those things that are holding me back that I just need to let go of? And then, of course, to keep the focus, look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the one who is there at both ends of the journey and along the way. Jesus is the one we can look to who has already pioneered the way ahead of us. There is nowhere that we can go on our journey that Jesus is not ahead of us. And we are called, uh, just as the disciples followed the rabbi, so that the dust of the rabbis' feet was, was on their, their clothes, so we are called to follow that close to Jesus. Jesus, we know, who brought life and love and healing to so many, but in the end that cost him his life. As we heard, he endured death on the cross for our sake. But God brought him back to life. Jesus is the one who has pioneered the way also through death and out the other side. And he can point the way for us, takes us by the hand, leads us through life and then on through death into life, which is eternal. That is what can help us persevere when the going gets tough at whatever age and stage we're at in our life. Whether we're just beginning and it looks like a long marathon in front, or whether we're sort of wallowing somewhere in the middle, <laughs> or whether we're even coming towards the end of our life, whether we're 8 or 80, 9 or 90, whatever it is, Jesus is the one who is there yesterday, today, and forever, pioneering, perfecting, bringing to fullness and wholeness our race. And then I like the idea of it being a bit of a relay race. I'm not sure whether um, you've run in relay races, and it's always a bit when you watch them, it's always that interesting bit where people are actually running alongside each other. And thinking about that, how we run alongside each other and then you pass the baton. And I can recall back to my times of doing this, it was always this horrible thought, what if I drop it? You know, what if I pick it and then promptly drop it? But uh, one of the lovely things is to see people helping each other and passing the baton on to someone else uh, so that the the, the other person can take a break for a bit to recover. We talked too about passing on the baton of faith or passing on the baton of experience. There are things we can teach each other and learn from each other, whatever stage we're at. So perhaps today is a good opportunity just to reflect, who am I passing the baton of faith on to? Who is ready also to take and step up and take the baton when I'm getting a bit tired and weary? Who are the people here that I can rely on to be real with? and to be honest, and who can pray for me and who I can share just when I need that extra taking up the baton on my behalf. And then who can I support in taking up the baton for when they are weary in the race? So let's be on in live streams for our perseverance together, that we keep on keeping on together, that we help each other to persevere by giving our encouragement and support when someone else is struggling, that we lift each other up. I want to uh, just use the verse at the end of our Bible reading again. It's a passage I've always loved. Um, I can remember our uni hostile principal uh, said this verse to a group of us when we were struggling to keep going in that swap period up to um, running up to our uni exams. And um, I can always recall her saying this. And perhaps it's good for us at the end of a long, hard winter. Lift your drooping hands, strengthen your wobbly knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but may be healed. Notice that we are called to do the lifting and strengthening and making straight paths. It is in order that we be healed, and it's through the love and power and strength of Jesus that we find that true healing and wholeness. So let us run with patience and perseverance the race that is set before us, whatever race it may be, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen. So we turn to prayer and Becky's going to lead us in our prayers. Thanks, Becky. Let's just take some time to find that space in our hearts and minds to talk with our Lord. So, Father, as we come in reflection of what Jenny has shared with us and of hearing your word, we thank you, Lord, that you are our encourager, that you are our guide and direction, that you provide the light in the darkness for whatever road and path that we're on and in the race that we're running, that sometimes those shadows creep in. So Father, thank you, Lord, that you are the light of this world, that you are the light of our lives. And forgive us, Father, for looking at other sources of light, of